0: When it comes to getting pregnant, many people don't know the whole truth. There are many myths and misconceptions about birth control and confusion about how you can conceive. We'll talk about this today with Dr. Sharon Quayle, the Assistant Director of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Montefiore Nyack Hospital. This is Health Track, the podcast from Montefiore Nyack Hospital. I'm Aileen Ellis. So, Dr. Quayle, do most people make good choices when it comes to contraception?
1: A lot of patients choose methods that aren't the most effective. So the most effective methods of contraception are long-acting reversible contraception. That includes the IUD and the implant that goes into your arm. That type of contraception is actually recommended by the American College of OBGYN and the American Academy of Pediatrics as a primary choice over oral contraceptives.
0: So when we deal with the myths though that kind of keep people from making that choice, what about withdrawal as an effective method of contraception?
1: So withdrawal really is much less effective than other forms of contraception. It depends on, first of all, the motivation of the man to actually withdraw before he ejaculates. Plus, when couples are having sex, a little bit of semen can leak out before the man actually comes. And that semen can, it only takes one sperm to make a woman pregnant. So that's really not that effective compared to other available methods of contraception.
0: A lot of teenagers in particular, I think, are are a little wary of using IUDs and maybe older women also. Is that a dangerous method to use?
1: Actually, it's one of the most effective methods of contraception and a lot of people have the misconception that IUDs can cause infertility or some other very bad health consequence. I actually recommended both my daughters, who are now in their 20s, get IUDs because it's such an effective and safe form of contraception. There is only a very tiny risk of infection, and in fact, it's not increased using the IUD because of the way a lot of the IUDs work. A lot of IUDs have progesterone in them, and the progesterone works to thicken cervical mucus and that actually decreases the risk of infection because the the infection can't penetrate up into the uterus. It does not increase the risk of infertility. There's only a very small risk of uh, perforation of the IUD, and all these risks are much smaller than having an unintended pregnancy and even having a lot of serious complications during pregnancy.
0: And if you were to have a problem like that, you'd have a symptom that would take you to the doctor. Absolutely. So let's talk about oral contraceptives for a minute and the perception that they might cause cancer.
1: Oral contraceptives don't increase the risk of cancer. There were a few studies several years ago that questioned possible increased risk of breast cancer, but that's really in debate still. What we do know is that women who use oral contraceptives for about five years or more reduce their risk Of ovarian cancer by 50%. Many gynecologic oncologists actually recommend women go on oral contraceptives to decrease their risk of ovarian cancer.
0: What about weight gain though? I've heard you can gain weight on those things.
1: So in the past we used higher dose pills and it is common for women, especially young women, to experience some bloating the first few months that they start on the birth control pill. Studies indicate that there actually is no increased risk of weight gain using oral contraceptives or IUDs that have hormone in them.
0: And what about if you miss a period? Is that something that you can worry about when you're taking these? I think that that does bother
1: a lot of women, but there's really no medical reason that you need to have a period when you're on an oral contraceptive or when you're using an IUD that has hormone in it. So there really is no risk to missing your period. Some patients come to me and they say, well, I feel like I need to have that monthly period to clean out my system. But there's really no medical basis for having to have a period when you're on a hormonal method of of contraception.
0: So is birth control 100% effective no matter what you use?
1: The most effective forms of contraception are the IUD and the Nexplanon, which is the hormonal implant. That's why those two methods are recommended to young women and teenagers as the top choice by the American College of OBGYN and the American Academy of Pediatrics. At that time in your life, you're the most fertile, and in the United States, 50% of all pregnancies are unplanned. So those are the top choices. That being said, um, oral contraceptives is also a good choice and has definite benefits. Um, they're about 91% effective. Then there's Depo-Provera, which is a shot in the arm. You can receive that once every three months. That effectiveness is about 92 to 93%. And then everything else, like condoms, withdrawal, natural family planning, the risk of getting pregnant increases with all those compared to the ones I just mentioned.
0: So when someone comes to you for advice on contraception, what do you look at to decide which one is right for that particular person?
1: Generally, if the person is very healthy, I go over all the choices with them. I give them the the benefits and try to address any concerns that they have, potential risks of each method. So most healthy young women could actually choose any of the methods that we've discussed. Um, There are certain medical situations where a patient might not be a candidate. For instance, if somebody is 35 and smoking, they're not a candidate for oral contraceptives. If they have high blood pressure, we would not give oral contraceptives. I try to give people a variety of choices.
0: And what about if a teenager comes to you or even possibly a parent with a teenager, which is probably more unusual? I think there's always the perception that teenagers who get contraceptives might perhaps be more promiscuous. Do you have a comment on that?
1: Well, I think that is a concern of a lot of mothers who bring in their teenagers. And actually, I do quite frequently see uh, teenagers and mothers together. Depending on the situation, I will interview the mom and the patient together. And then often I will send them, most of the time, I will send the mother out of the room and have a discussion again with the the daughter because she may not want to reveal certain information in front of her mom there is sometimes a hesitancy to allow a young woman to have access to contraception. But studies have actually been done on this. Having access to contraception does not increase the likelihood that a young woman will become sexually active or have more partners. What we have seen over the past recent years is that the number of unintended pregnancies in young women is decreasing. And this is probably related to the availability of long-acting contraception.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to add? If
1: people want further information about contraceptive choices and what's right for them, I would like to give a few websites. Uh, one is Planned Parenthood, which has an excellent information about contraceptive choices. The other is our professional organization, which is the American College of OBGYN, and you can look it up under www.acog.org. The third is the bed cider. and all of these have great information about contraceptive choice.
0: Thank you, Dr. Quayle, for your time today. Dr. Sharon Quayle is the Assistant Director of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Montefiore Nyack Hospital. For more information on contraception, please visit nyackobgyn.com or call 845-353-1441 for more information or to schedule a consultation appointment. That wraps up this episode of our Health Track podcast. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social media channels and be sure to check out the entire podcast library for topics of interest to you. I'm Aileen Ellis. Thanks for listening.